Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. They did it! They finally did it! They won the big one, my boy! Luchasaurus is a champion! Ah, before we recorded this, I had to run upstairs and put on my Jurassic Express shirt. I just had to do it. I had to do it. I could not wear it for this episode. Such the occasion. Take that, Kenny Bolin. Shove it up your alley. Luchasaurus is a champ in AEW, baby. Um... It's hard for me to be excited about it, though, Sid, because of the way that it went down. I am a huge Ray Phoenix fan. I know you are. I know there are a lot of people out there. A man's arm is not supposed to bend that way. It was a really, really sick ending the way that he went through that table and immediately pointed as his, at his arm as it com- bent completely backwards uh, right at the elbow. It was... Uh, disturbing. I could not believe that AEW kept showing the damn replay. I'm like, how are you not seeing this? How are you not seeing? Stop showing it. I mean, like showing Joe Theismann's knee getting snapped in half over and over and over again on the replay. Stop it. They tweeted it out. Oh, man. It's just like terrible i I hope it's one of those things that looks worse than it actually is but oh my god i would i would hope so because that looked disgusting that was (laughs) the worst on-site break or injury that i've seen since sid at sold out 2001 when he broke his leg immediately on contact but this one was even worse because he's got the he's got to deal with the contact of going through the table at the same time, like his weight goes on the arm as well as the table. Like, oh, oh my I, god, it just hurt me. It just hurt I, me. I would say Sid's is worse because at least Ray's happened at a joint. Sid's yeah. whole damn shin just split in half. Ah, 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 just thinking about it just makes me cringe and want to coil up that but definitely one of the more gruesome injuries you would see i did not think that we would see anything more gruesome than two men covered in each other's blood tonight on an episode of aw dynamite that's got to be a a weird sensation but uh, that is definitely something we're gonna have to get into because damn uh did did brian and hangman adam page throw down tonight the bums only did 30 minutes Come on, you freaking... No, I'm kidding. It was fantastic. It was absolutely... That was a violent masterpiece. Like, that was five stars anywhere in the world. Like, I I knew it was five stars by, like, the, the opening the opening crescendo and like before they went to their first commercial break because of how they were working the match with hangman being the determined baby face that had like this sense of urgency because of the 60 minute draw last time but brian danielson was still keeping the same energy from the first match in like being the stalling heel getting in hangman's head because we know hangman's weakness is his own anxiety so it was just perfect psychology from the from the very beginning 
thing. Then you get the that's like the first half of the match. Then the second half is basically Hangman's bleeding. Then it's uh, Hangman coming back. Then at least to the third half of the match when the headbutts when it becomes a match of oh headbutts. Oh my they god! Were, they were throwing out headbutts like they're super kicks tonight. <laughs> my gosh! Yo, and then that that headbutt that split open Brian like you thought Hangman's cut. And, and and by the way, this is why I tell people sometimes you really have to pay attention to the pitcher and pitcher because Brian did one of the best heel moves I've seen in quite some time. He brought Hagman's bloody face over to the judges and is putting the bloody face in the judges' faces. Like I'm winning. <laughs> I was I was loving Brian Danielson in this match. He's just otherworldly heel, and you can tell like he's having so much fun doing yeah. it. He's doing all the heel stuff that he wish he could have done in the times that he was heel in WWE that he was never able to. He's able to do it here. But the story of this match was Hangman Page. Like Hangman Page has been in the ring with Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson over the last three matches and has delivered all-time all classics in all three matches. And he has really shown himself that he's arrived as a main event player and as a major superstar in AEW. So I'm very happy for him. This was an achievement tonight. One of the greatest AEW match AEW matches of all time. One of the great, greatest TV matches of all time. Like yeah. for anyone... We didn't have to pay, we didn't have to pay 50 bucks to see that. Anyone who was dis divisive about the time limit draw, this is why that was fine because it led to this. All the callbacks from the first meeting, like the he was cut in the same spot he was cut opening in the first meeting. Like there was just so many small significant callbacks to the previous Bro, meeting. Ryan Daniel said the, the I agree with everything you said. Like the guy is just a genius when he puts in the label lock and then he's pulling at the split on the man's face. Once again, yes. I, I'm cringing. Like my fingers are just collapsing on top of themselves. Like I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, ah, ah, it's making me hurt watching this at home. The man is a damn genius uh, in the ring. Hell. I love the thought of the, I think my favorite spot of the whole match was when Brian like collapsed and escaped the, the, the buckshot lariat because he was bleeding so damn yes. much. <laughs> Genius. And you know who that's a callback to that's Kenny Omega. Cause Kenny Omega's infamous spot in the Okada series is Okada goes for the rainmaker and he collapsed exactly like Brian did. So I, I love that. That's still the central figure that connects these two guys. And they had a call back to a Omega spot in their first match. Did it here. This had drama. This had blood. This had hatred. Like I, I stayed up till to almost seven a.m. in the morning to watch Okada and Osprey, which was a five-star classic in the Tokyo Dome. But this match had something that that match didn't have because of the restrictions in Japan. This match just had a molting hot crowd that just reacted to everything. Yes. And they reacted to everything at the perfect time. And this just had a level of hatred that that Okada uh, Osprey match, which is a five star match as well, it's just different from this one. And just, I I've seen two classics, I've been seen two of the matches of the year already. And it's only January 5th, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, or January uh, 6th, if you're listening to us right now on anywhere you can find podcasts Apple Podcasts, iHeart. 
uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We are everywhere, baby. And the YouTube channel is almost complete. Is almost complete. So when we have that up, make sure, keep your eye on our socials. If you're listening to us right now, it's at Rick Uccino on Twitter, U-C-C-H-I-N-O. And that is Rick with a K, by the way. And at True Heel SP3 without the E in the word true. Follow us there. Make sure to subscribe to the Believe in Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. All of our shows will be there. All of our interviews, as soon as we get them all lined up, those will be there. We're working on some other special little things as well. Everything, it's going to be your one-stop shop for Believe in Pro Wrestling. So make sure to click that subscribe button for us as soon as we have it completely done. Uh, a lot of other, this was a for the first episode on TBS, by the way. This was uh, a lot of big things. W, or excuse me, AEW, they, they love to go uh, big uh, on their you know, first ever shows. Hell, they just like to go big on regular television anyway. We had three title matches tonight. Uh, we'll get to all of them. We do have a new TBS champion, uh, Jade Cargill, defeating Ruby Soho tonight. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, also, just another chef's kiss promo exchange uh, between MJF and CM Punk. We'll talk about that as well. But before we dive into the five count tonight, this was another dark, terrible day in in WWE, specifically in NXT. Um, oh, gosh, what was it? About 2 o'clock this afternoon, we started getting word. Once again, Sean Ross at Fightful.com. Uh, the man is basically Carmelo Hayes. He does not miss uh, when it comes uh, to uh, news, breaking news in the wrestling business. If you're not following him, he is the man to do it. Subscribe to Fightful Select, our good friends over there. Fantastic work. Uh, started breaking all the news that uh, several backstage coaches and producers and influencers, influencers excuse me, in NXT were being released today. A lot of high-profile names, Scott Armstrong being one, but the the big one, today that had everybody just flat out floored now former nxt gm all-around wrestling genius one of the one of the goats that term gets thrown around too often william regal is one of the goats and they let him go today yep. You're telling me you don't need William Regal. There is nothing that that man can offer you on a developmental brand. Apparently not. What are we doing? What are we doing? This, I, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of releases that have happened over the last two years now in WWE that I can't explain. I can't. This one tops them. I can't explain this. I can't explain this. This man is a wealth of knowledge. When seriously, like you will not find anybody who has a bad word to say about William Regal. Just go on yeah. Twitter today. Everybody from from Tegan Knox to Shotzi to to uh, Johnny Gargano's tweet today was fantastic. This this is mind boggling to me. It just absolutely. When I was going through wrestling training. Like, I wasn't taught by William Regal, but I was taught how to do things the way that William Regal does them. Yeah. That, that is the reach that this guy has. It is 
inexplicable that they would just say, no, we don't need this guy. I do not understand WWE on this one. This is not one situation where I can put my Vince hat on. Because most of the time when it comes to these releases, as of late, especially ever since like Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman and those type of guys, that it just doesn't make sense from a Vince hat scenario. It doesn't make sense. This one is a major one. It just doesn't make sense. When you look at the amount of talent that either were signed or helped along in their journey in WWE by William Regal. He has been the core to the talent relations for WWE. Like he has really taken on the torch of a guy in the past of like a Jim Ross or like Paul Heyman, like these guys that have gotten talent from the independent scene or from like recruiting like athletes. William Regal has been so important to the nucleus of talent that is in WWE right now, which a few months ago before all these releases compounded on one another, people consider the best roster that WWE has ever assembled. Now, if people feel the same way now, that is that is a, a, a situation and a problem all until itself, but that has nothing to do with William Regal. But at the end of the day, one thing that I can acknowledge and recognize is that the signs have all been here. I think that we all tried to ignore it because we didn't think WWE would make a decision. So just not thinking about the future, not thinking about the short term or the long term with this decision to let William Regal go. But this is the decision that they're making with this whole relaunch. They want everything. They want a whole new clean slate with this 2.0 era. But the signs were all here. It's been weeks on NXT. We haven't seen William Regal on TV. War Games came, the first big event, the first major show of NXT of this 2.0 era. And then the person synonymous for it, synonymous for making the announcement that a match is going to be War Games, we never heard him. Literally, people were asking, why are we hearing Eo Shirai say War Games? Why are we hearing Braun Breaker say War Games? We want to hear William Regal say War Game. We never got it. They didn't even do anything fun like they did the year previous with people doing the War Games like William Regal, acknowledging that he is the person that has kind of been the, the rally cry for this event. Didn't do any of that. It was like last year whether we realize it or not they were saying goodbye <laughs> they were with that tribute video you remember that tribute when they had all the nxt superstars doing the war game that was the that was like a tribute that was the ending we didn't realize that was the end but that was really the end and then just just it, i saw all I the saw, signs were here at the end i of saw the, the signs i i just assumed okay they have decided to not move forward forward with him as an on-screen character in nxt 2.0 that's what I assumed because the man is so invaluable in other places, most notably coaching, uh, in-ring coaching and scouting. The man has been, again, invaluable in the scouting department. Like there, you, you can't put, there aren't words to describe how useful this man is for a professional wrestling company and for a brand that is developmental like this is exactly the kind of guy that you would want behind the scenes that wealth of wrestling knowledge from all over the world 
different styles, everything, experiences. Can cut a good promo. Like, the guy does it all. And they just said, nah. And nah. Fightful Select had a report out today that a lot of these uh, cuts, with the exception of uh, Allison Danger, uh, I'm trying to find the... Uh, um, Talent and staff familiar with the PC, NXT, and NXT 2.0 have said that this direct this directly removes numerous Triple H hires. Yes. This is this is just the continued overhaul of the, the Triple H NXT era. And I don't know if this is a road dog, by the way, was another guy who was let go. Today. The second biggest name there, yeah. uh, I believe uh, it was a Ryan Katz, who has been like yeah. a, a very like, not a name that's been prominent, but a name that's been very close to Triple H as a Triple H guy, as far as like behind the scenes, he was also let go, which a lot of people that are in the know, as far as the company say, that was the most telling to them. Like if it, if William Regal wasn't, that was the one for them that was the most telling that they are really wiping the slate clean as far as the Triple H regime in NXT, which is, it's just sad. Like it, it, you really, the way they are treating their whole regime and the people that were a part of this staff, you really think that all the stuff that they did and provided over the last five, six, seven years, it just didn't matter. That's what that's how they are really treating it by making it like washing everything anew and not realizing that these people can be very important to your relaunch and to getting these new superstars ready for the future and still providing a good weekly program. I just don't get this. They, situation. They, no, it's it's not that. See, to me, it's not that they're acting like it, it didn't matter to me. They're acting like it didn't work. They're acting like it was a complete and total failure. But if you look at all the stars across the board on your main roster right now, they're all NXT alums. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha Banks, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. They all came through NXT. Drew McIntyre returned to the company, came through NXT. Outside of Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles, who didn't come from NXT? Like Bobby Lashley. Okay. Couple. You could you could pick you could pick a few out there. No, no, I, I definitely understand what you're saying, but that, that's why I'm saying they're acting like it didn't matter. They're not even acting like it, it they the rebrand itself was them saying that it didn't work. Them them firing people that were very important to what the roster that they have on the main roster right now. That's saying that it didn't it didn't even matter. It didn't even matter to them. Like every all the work they they have put down in the past in giving them the roster that they have right now on the main roster like you said all these superstars and most especially their women's division is accredited to that staff over in NXT. They are acting like it didn't even matter now by letting everybody go. Do you think that this this whole do you think the catalyst for this was NXT more often than not losing head to head to AEW? Well, they lost. Let's. Uh, I. I don't want to. I don't want to put any type of wording around it like you just did. NXT lost to to AEW in the ratings war. That's that's the issue with WWE. That's the reason why they made the the rebrand change. That's the reason why they are making personnel changes and going in a different direction. 
with NXT losing to AEW in a ratings war that wasn't even about getting casual fans. It was about drawing the hardcore wrestling fans that NXT kind of harbored and kept safe for a while, was giving them the PWG and ROH under the WWE banner. But when another promotion comes in and they're doing it in bigger arenas with a more variety of a, of a superstars, you tend to you saw more of the faults in NXT that it is still WWE that it is still under the WWE structure. So I think this is just WWE just saying you lost. We the the consequences of losing is this this and that and this and that and these people getting let go. And if I'm Shawn Michaels. I said, watch your back. Samoa Joe, too, to be completely honest. Samoa Joe. I saw a picture today. I think it was my good friend. Yeah, Joseph Holbert of uh, Fightful's Distraction Podcast. He put up the picture of the Samoa Joe, William Regal segment. When, <laughs> when William Regal re-signed him to NXT and gave him an NXT championship match. And he put up the caption. He was like, segments that have aged, aged that have only been months in time, but have aged by years. <laughs> I mean, you think about it, Karrion Cross was the damn NXT champion at that point. It feels like we've gone 10 years into the future. It's, again, I'm not this guy that comes out here and says, oh man, I can't wait for this guy to come show up in AEW. I hope and pray that William Regal goes to AEW because I know there are a lot of guys and girls in that locker room that could benefit from his mentoring. And more importantly, I need to see Brian Danielson and William Regal on the screen at the same time doing something, something, anything. I'm not saying he has to come in there and be his manager. Just give me something with those two. That is all I ask. All right, sir. Let's dive into this. Let's let's take into the five count here. Answer the biggest questions coming out of this episode of AEW Dynamite. We will start with the main event. Again, we are prayers up for Ray Phoenix that that injury, that gruesome injury is not uh, as bad as it seemed. But we'll focus on the winners tonight. Finally, Jurassic Express taking home the tag team gold. Were you surprised that they finally won the big one? Because I feel like, Lucha Brothers haven't had the belts that long. This uh, this one completely surprised me. And the only thing that keeps me from thinking that this was an audible called after the Ray Phoenix injury is because we had all of the tag teams come out at the top and they you know made this big kind of like crowning moment thing for Jurassic Express that makes me think that that was all planned and this was the finish from the get-go. Um, A part of me always thought that there was a chance because really, there's there was one of two options in this matchup, which was either Jurassic Express wins the big one, or Christian Cage turns on Jurassic Express to set up Christian versus uh, Jungle Boy. They haven't really teased the heel turn. They are doing more of a slow burn with him, like very aggressively saying that they should go for the tag team titles, kind of being their mentor and pushing that more. They have slow burned it, but they have only started the story there. So it really, it made sense for them to win here, but I am surprised that they did win here. I compared this victory a lot to Sammy Guevara's against Miro yeah. in September, where that came as a surprise to me. But in the aftermath, I'm like, 
it does make sense because Sammy had the big match with MJF where they main evented the show. It showed that they are both going to be future stars. He had the big win at Double or Nothing. And, you know, all, all this stuff led to that big win against uh, Miro. With Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy is the only one of the pillars that really hasn't got that big time win. He hasn't won the big one yet. Sammy, Sammy beat Miro. Jarby beat uh, Cody. MJF has beaten Chris Jericho twice and and Cody, and he won the first ever Blood and Guts. But Jungle Boy has come so close so many different times. Like he came close against Kenny Omega. They the Jurassic Express came close against the the Young Bucks. They even showed the match where they lost to uh, the Lucha Bros in the AEW World Tag Team Title Eliminator Tournament. So all these close losses, the fact that they if they they put the spotlight on that previous meeting and how they lost and they. Came close there. That it wasn't until like a minute before the bell ring that I was like, Jurassic Express might actually win this one. That was the first time. Like heading into this, I was very confident Lucha Bros would win because I wanted to get to Lucha Bros versus Santana and Ortiz, which I still feel Santana and Ortiz are the most underappreciated tag team in AEW. But like I said, to answer the question, I am surprised Jurassic Express finally won the big one but it does make sense in the aftermath i i think it it i agree with you and i'm I'm waiting for us to have this big disagreement because we are notorious for just screaming back and forth at each other but we haven't we're we're four episodes in and we haven't really disagreed on anything yet as it's coming like a freight train i know it's coming um I wholeheartedly agree with you. I I was incredibly surprised though. I didn't even think there was a, a prayer that that Jurassic Express was was winning this matchup just because of everything that you said. They've always been the bridesmaid and never the bride, especially Jungle Boy. We keep hearing about oh well, he's one of the next big stars, man. And they're what was the thing we heard during the pandemic? They're just waiting for fans back, and he's gonna get this big push. Fans have been back for a while now, and he hasn't gotten that big push despite him being over as hell. Um, Luchasaurus, I think, is one of the most underrated performers in the entire company. A man that big should not be able to move the way that he does. And I honestly think his his gimmick kind of holds him back uh, just a little bit, even though I love it. I I want I'm I'm all for it. Never change Luchasaurus. Literally never change. I hope he wins the AEW championship one day. I really, really do. Give me that one day cane run. That's all I ask. Just give me that one day cane run. That is all I ask. I just I want to be so proud. I will shed a tear for my boy boy Luchasaurus if that happens. Um, but yeah, I wasn't expecting this. And like I said, until all the guys came out, all the other tag teams, and then they started showing guys like Chris Jericho and Malachi Black uh, up in the stands, I I thought this was an audible with the Ray Phoenix injury because I'm sitting here going, "Well, nah, crap that, that, that happened that happened way too fast and way too late in the match to even be an audible." I mean, honestly, 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 they set precedent where if if Lucha Bros was going to win, we still they they left it up to Penta and Jungle Boy, where where Penta could have easily still won with even without Ray Phoenix. So I think this was definitely the plan, and uh, there was nothing that told me that this was like an audible in any way. Right, exactly, Uh, and again, that's just me thinking in the moment. Uh, mostly because uh, I was still sitting there with my hands on my head going, oh, my God, that man is screwed up uh, big time. So, again, we 
quick recovery, and hopefully it's one of those ones that looks worse uh, than okay. what it actually was. Uh, but congratulations to Jungle Express. This has been a long time coming. Big win for Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. If only Marco Stunt uh, could have uh, been there uh, to... Hey, he's, he's, he's recovering from injury. Hopefully he has a speedy recovery. And he's on The Voice. So good luck with both of those journeys. And Jurassic Express, man, they they are one of the more popular tag teams. A big win for Dungle Boy. His mom and sister were in the front row. Yeah. Very emotional moment for them. We had a couple of those moments uh, yep. on this show. We'll get to Jade Cargill uh, coming out. I'm also wearing my uh, Cincinnati Reds jersey. Uh, by the way, because of uh, the great Brandon Phillips uh, being in the uh, crowd uh, tonight, the, the father of Jade Cargill's uh, daughter. Anyway, we will move on to uh, number two. We talked about it uh, in, in length at the beginning of the program here. Hangman Adam Page and a 30-minute bloody beatdown. The in-ring psychology off the charts. These two work incredibly well with one another. You talked ad nauseum about why you love this match so much and i think one of your true heel heat guys put this question out on twitter which is why i, I grabbed it because i wanted to get your opinion on it was this in fact the greatest match in the history of aew no um but it is definitely one of is it better it might be okay better better preface on this, it might be the greatest singles match in AEW history because okay. the only matches that I initially that made me say no is the Young Bucks versus Hangman Page and Kenny Omega from Revolution 2020, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros from All Out 2021, and then there's 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 other matches that are going to be in this conversation for the greatest singles match. Let's take those two tag team classics, which are not just the greatest tag team matches in AEW history. They might just be the greatest tag team matches in wrestling history, especially in, in my lifetime. Those are the two greatest tag team matches I ever seen. But singles matches, it's this match that we saw tonight, Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson 2. I feel like it was better than the first one. So the first one is kind of out of the conversation now. And now this is a conversation of this match, Omega versus Danielson from Grand Slam, Rosa versus Baker, Lights Out, and Dustin versus Cody from Double or Nothing 2019. I I honestly, I can't tell you which one is right. If you told me any of those four is the greatest singles match in AEW history, I would probably see where you're coming from. Once again, completely agree with you i'm not gonna argue a word of what you just said there there's one match that and, and you'll probably give me one of your big ass eye rolls that you always do when i bring up something that you don't agree with but there there's one match in particular that holds a, a special place for me being such a big luke harper brody lee guy and always wanting him to kind of get his shot and in the main event scene, and the first time that he really got that opportunity was against John Moxley at Double or Nothing, and I thought that that one was, I thought those two delivered. Hands down, flat out delivered, and that's still fresh in my mind. When I typed out this question, I was like, does that one hit home to me more than, than Brody Lee and John Moxley? And to me, the answer is no. That is still my favorite match in all of AEW history. Is it the greatest one? 
subjective. Everybody has varying opinions on what it is. But for me, I always go back to that match. That match I had high expectations for. I had high hopes for. I talked to John Moxley on my old radio show before that match happened. I remember that interview because I was nervous as hell. It was the first time I had talked to John Moxley, and I heard he wasn't the best person to interview, but it went fantastic, probably because I'm a Cincinnati guy, so there's that connection there. Uh, but, man, that that's one that still is is just special to me, and I'm glad that we got to witness. Um, and, again, man, you want to talk about things that feel like 10, 10 years ago now. That match feels like 10 years ago now, especially with everything that's happened in between. Yeah, most definitely. Another one that I forgot to mention and I was there live for, and I definitely would be uh, mad at myself if I didn't mention it as one of the greatest singles matches in the history of AEW is Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega at Full Gear 2021. Full Gear honestly had like three or four of (laughs) the greatest singles matches in AEW history because MJF and Darby Allin could be in this conversation. Uh, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston could be in this conversation. So I, I I just find it amazing that this company that is only three years old, how many times people say one the, one of these matches is the greatest match in AEW history? I, I don't think there's ever been a promotion in three years that has had fans saying one match or another is the greatest in the company's history this many times. Because here's the thing. AEW focuses on the W. WWE does not. No. They are a sports entertainment company, and they will be the first one to tell you that. So that's why we don't, you know, you don't see uh, these type of matches, especially on free television. You just don't get them. More often than not, you don't, which is part of the reason why Brian Danielson is where he is right now doing these kind of matches. Because he knows he can't do these in WWE. That's why. They focus on the wrestling first and foremost. They are a professional wrestling company. So to me, no, it doesn't surprise me at all that we're sitting here talking about, man, they did it again. Another freaking barn burner night after night after night. Now, there are some things that AEW does. You talked about the the, the tag team match tonight, the main event being great. I kind of disagree with you because, and you know, you know why. We've talked about this. Two of my biggest pet peeves in wrestling, 18 million super kicks and, and setup spots where it, again, it takes the believability out of the match. You got four dudes just holding hands and then, okay, let's all balance each other. And now we're going to do some cool flippy shit. And it doesn't really work. And like the in-ring psychology for me took me out of that. So I'm not a fan of that. It's not for me. Crowd popped at the end of the day. That's the most important thing. Um, but yeah, this is, it does not surprise me they continue to put on these bangers because they focus solely uh, on the wrestling. Uh, Moving on to number three here in the five count. Wasn't the best match of the night, but it was still a big moment. And a, the, the cap to what was a really, really good tournament. That is another thing that AEW does a hell of a lot better than WWE. If you compare this TBS title tournament to the queen's crown tournament, holy hell like my god you could tell they really really took the time and effort to make this tournament mean something and from the get-go this was jade cargill's to lose undefeated coming in got the first round by bulldozed her way through to the finals takes on ruby soho this matchup didn't click 
a lot for me personally. There were a lot of spots in there that it it, it just was a little messy and a little chopped, especially the ending. You could see Jade Cargill going for the finisher off the top rope, and she tried to step up to the top rope, and Ruby's like, no, 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 don't do that. Do it from the middle rope, please. Drops her, pins her. So it kind of took me out there. It was yeah. uh, it was sloppy from time to time. The you heard, you heard the fans game. wanted it. The fans wanted her to go to, to, the, go top to the top rope. Because they gas yeah. when she put the first foot up, too. Yeah, exactly. So it, it didn't click for me. But the question here is, Jade Cargill, this tournament again, set up nicely for her. She's still undefeated. She is the first ever TBS tournament. She has a lot of really, really good things going for her, but you could see in this matchup tonight, she is still very green. Is it too soon for her to be a champion in AEW? No, because this is putting the title on her is going to give her the opportunity to have longer matches, which is what she needs. She needs more reps. She's she's only been wrestling for I I would believe I believe it's only like two years. Like she had a couple of months to cl- or close to a year before she debuted in AEW. So she is a very green wrestler, and I felt like the mistiming of spots was mainly down to Ruby kind of having to wait for uh, Jade. She still doesn't naturally know what to do next in her matches. So you could see kind of the wheels turning where she's thinking about what's her next move to do. Like if she, I think if she, she more like we talked about yesterday with uh, Braun Breaker, if she more played to the crowd, which she's really good at, if she did it a little bit more often in between her moves, I think that would give her more time to know what she's going to do next. And it's something that she's really good at. I just wish that kind of someone like Dustin, you know, that works with the woman would like kind of tell her, like kind of do that to kind of fill in the spots because, you know, her kind of thinking about what she's going to do next is becoming very obvious in her matches. Like I do a review on, on the true Hill heat YouTube channel and my boy, Jimmy Macaram pointed that out in last week's match. So I was kind of looking for it in this week's match and I did see it. So Ruby Soho, she worked, she worked, she busted her butt out there yeah. and she, she worked her, her worked her hardest to make this a solid affair, which I thought it was by the end of it, but you could clearly see where Jade is at in her progression, but the presentation has been top notch. It's been the best presentation of any female from the beginning of their time in AEW of anyone like even Britt Baker she had to get through the cookie cutter dentist babyface time before we got to the revelation that she was as a heel. But the minute Jay Cargo came in here, they treated her like a big deal. They had her feuding with Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes, had the big time matchup with Shaq as a tag team partner. She's been undefeated now. She's 21 and 0. This is this is this generation's Goldberg. This is a female Goldberg, which they are trying to build. I, I said this early on during her run, and Alice McCarthy kind of echoed me that they were building her to be like this Goldberg, Brock Lesnar type of female, and but she's just not what they were even at this time of their progression. She needs more reps. She needs more time in the ring. Being the TBS champion means she's going to be in there with kind of the top talent from the women's division, so this is only going to help her, so I don't think it's too soon. I, I would not be surprised if like they the concept of the tbs championship 
was put together for her. I, I said this from the beginning of the tournament. I said, like, when, when they had her win the three-way with Thunder Rosa and Nyla Rose, and I was like, they're really pushing this undefeated streak. And then she got to the number one spot. I was like, well, okay, we're not. they're not going to do Britt Baker versus Jay Cargo right oh, now because no. Britt Baker's reign is still going. She, she, You're still trying to kind of push her more towards the heel, even though she gets really a tweener reaction. Being against Jay doesn't help anything of, of those issues no. or, like, uh, you know, setbacks that you have. So bringing the TBS title tournament just made sense. It was like, this is Jay's to win. It was as the tournament was going on, seeing her against Thunder Rosa. And, you know, Thunder Rosa is one of the best in-ring workers. And it was not bad. It just wasn't that good. And I was just like, maybe Ruby Soho is the better option to win here because it fits the mold of their first women's tournament, the, the AEW Women's World Champion Tournament when Rio beat the beat the larger Nyla Rose. You could have done the same thing with Ruby beating Jade. But I understand their focus is on building Jay Cargill to be this undefeated, unstoppable force. And I'm all for it. This is a this is a good thing, and it's something that, as an African American fan of AEW and of Jay Cargill, I'm very happy to see that she's getting this opportunity. Yes, and and I would like to throw this out there that she did not win this just because of the big swole comments. And you know there are people who are out there who are thinking yeah. in that way. We just laid out all the evidence for you. This was set in stone months ago. This was built solely around Jay Cargill and I and I wholeheartedly agree with you. She's not ready to be AEW Women's Champion. She's just not. She's too green for that. You weren't going to take the title off of Britt Baker when she got to that number 1 spot. But they do have something with her. Like you said, the presence, the presentation, just the hell just look at her, man. She she, she looked amazing tonight look a superhero in that storm gear oh my god she looks like she hulk like seriously you could put her in as she hulk she she's lou ferrigno she's the female version of lou ferrigno she is chiseled out of stone she has star written all over her so yes if you can get those reps in she should have this tbs title for a long ass time, a full year, 18 months, just have her beat people and get the work in and put the work in and put on longer matches and better. Cause we know she can squash people. Yeah. But the second that that seasoning is in and she is putting on banger after banger after banger, have her drop the belt in a triple threat match, whatever the hell it is, protect her, pull the Bobby Lashley. And then she can move on to the AEW. Uh, women's she she could take a loss at that point, even if she ha- if she has a le- year long run. Because I'm you- sorry, I always I always say this. Maybe I'm a bigger fan of her than many other people are. But they got the perfect story for the person to beat her, and that's Red Velvet. Red Velvet has been her rival since day one. I do since like Red day Velvet. Day one, and she's the perfect underdog to beat this monster heel and really put them over where. And it could be like a fluke roll up, but that's her first no, loss. I got it. I got it. It's genius. On. I got it. Red velvet, right? She can hit her with a cattle prod. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Now we're thinking. Oh gosh! All right, I think that's the- how you end streaks, ladies and gentlemen. But the 
the number one thing that I wanted to mention that you're 100% right. This TBS championship tournament has been very well done. Like I've, yes. I've heard people, even people that I do reviews with that have criticized this tournament say like, it's too long. I like the fact that they spread it out. And there's so many people coming out of this tournament that have something going for them. Chris Statlander loses in the second round to Ruby Soho. She's involved in this whole story with Layla Hirsch's heel turn. Uh, you got, you know, Ruby Soho loses the finals. She's immediately into some type of program with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Uh, you got Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb continuing their rivalry. Like there's so was Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. They getting a brawl during this match. So there's so much going on in the women's division right now with a bigger roster of women in the WWE. They have less feuds and stories going on than AEW right now. We're going to get into uh, promos here with number four. But I think the best promo of the night was Serena Deeb. I think she hit a damn home run. I know where MJF and CM Punk had the one-liners tonight, but my God, just the 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 passion, the look, and the story. Deeb, yes, you got a PhD in this shit. She was fan freaking tastic. But we are gonna focus as we move on to number four. We got another promo exchange. We also got a DQ finish in AEW. That doesn't happen uh, too terribly often. Very, so very rare. And man, it's night and day the reaction from fans to a DQ finish in other in other companies. I'm not just going to put out WWE because I reacted horribly to a DQ finish on Wrestle Kingdom night one. So any other company, I do not react to DQ finishes like I did tonight. Yeah, but I, I love CM Punk coming out here and saying, oh, well, this is uh, uh, this is going to happen every week until you stop ducking me. You're going to be 0-1, 0-2, 0-12, whatever the hell it is, until you finally face me. Um, we'll focus on the promo exchange here coming up in a second, but it looked like CM Punk had finally poked the bear enough. Finally poked the bear enough to where MJF was going to accept the match. And then, of course, he didn't. He said, you're going to fight Wardlow. This is something that has been building for a while. MJF continuing to mistreat Wardlow uh, to uh, have him do his dirty work. He even had Sean Spears tonight uh, attacking his opponent before the match. And then Wardlow hit like six power bombs. They said it was five. I think it was more like seven or eight. I lost count. Um but the crowd is really kind of getting behind Wardlow here a little bit. You can tell the babyface turn is coming. Does it come full circle next week? Because we are going to get CM Punk versus Wardlow. Do we think that MJF, because this is my thought process here, doing some little fantasy booking. My thought process here, MJF gets involved, costs Wardlow the match, and that's when Wardlow finally snaps. And now, because CM Punk kind of said it himself, sooner or later, you're not going to have anybody to hide behind. If that's the straw that breaks the camel's back next week and Wardlow finally says, F-U-M-J-F, I'm out, he doesn't have anybody else to hide behind at this point. Does it happen next week? No. It's not going to happen next week. Uh, this is going to be a very important part of that story as well as in the MJF-CM Punk rivalry. But... What AEW does very well is they they intricately book these things to pay off at a certain in a certain city in a certain town. Yeah. And my friends, Warlow 
is a hometown boy of Cleveland, Ohio, which will be the site of Beach Break at the end of January. If we are going to get a Warlow heel turn, a Warlow betraying MJF, it will not happen until that show. If we get it, if we get it that soon, I don't think we are going to get it that soon. I feel like they do have more chapters of the story to tell and more of, you know, MJF slowly but surely pulling down, you know, the the last straws in the back of Warlow before he eventually tears him apart. I don't think he should really turn until MJF has his first one-on-one meeting with CM Punk. Which That's might happen opinion. in Cleveland. It, it, they're, they're, you know, they're doing this special program. No, nah, I think, I think if they, I think if they were going to give us the MJF CM Punk match, I think they would have either done it tonight or for Battle of the Belts. I think the fact that they are saving it, I think they're going to do it at Revolution. That's fair. Um, couple things here. I do agree with you on the fact that I don't believe we're going to get the Warlow turn, but it's going to be teased heavily. Uh, next week, I do think yeah. there's going to be because we know it's coming like a freight train. Two, damn is AEW bad at geography because we had winter is coming in Dallas, Texas, and now we're having a beach bash in Cleveland in January. What are we doing? None of that makes sense at all. At all. If it's a good show, I I really we're don't. We're gonna give have a damn. 18 inches of lake effect snow. What, what are they calling that show again? What was it? Beach what? Beach break. Beach break. We're going to have 18 inches of freaking lake effect snow at beach break in Cleveland in January. Hey, it's not going to be an outdoor event. So. <laughs> uh, one other thing. I saw some people saying uh, there are a lot of people who really believe that Johnny Gargano is going to debut for AEW in the, at this Cleveland show. I really, really doubt it. I could be wrong. But I don't think he's going to debut for another company, what, three weeks before his, his child is due? I, I, I don't see that happening. I just don't. I don't. I'm reading. I'm, I'm taking him at his word for what he said on his Twitch stream. He wants to take time off. He wants to be a family man. I don't see it. But I have been wrong numerous times numerous times hey aew is the type of company he could debut in the january show and not have his first match until like march or april so like or that's june how, yeah that's how that's how aew is like they will do a debut the next week they'll show the debut again show clips the week after that it's a promo uh a video a vignette promo the week after that he does a promo in the ring he can have he can have his weeks he can have his time off he could just debut in Cleveland, and it's convenient because this is his hometown. I will say this. He ain't going back to NXT now. Ooh, no. I guarantee that. He may go to a main roster WWE. He might. I don't and know. I, I wouldn't think that's a good decision either. But uh, I guarantee he ain't. We, we have seen the last, the last image that we are going to see of Johnny Gargano in NXT is him getting his ass kicked by Grayson Waller, yeah. which is sad to be completely honest. Even sadder is that they have AJ Styles in NXT to put over Grayson Waller. All right, anywho, back to things that make us happy. The MJF. That's, the, that's the equivalent. That's the equivalent. That's the equivalent of WWE back in the day sending C, uh, sending CM Punk to go put over Michael McGillicuddy on NXT. <laughs> that's that's basically the same equivalent. <sighs> 
forgot all about that Michael McGillicuddy name. God dang it. All right, again, things that make us happy, things that make us smile in a good way. The promo exchange tonight between MJF and CM Punk uh, was fantastic. I think more Punk than MJF tonight. I thought CM just roasted his nuts on the mic tonight. And that, it's not usually they're about 50 50. Uh, but the second they started making the little WWE drops and MJF is a brilliant guy. He's already talking about the bidding war of 2024. He's blurring the lines there. Um, you know, we, we all know he's a smart guy, smart business guy. He's going to want to make his money. We know he's going to listen to WWE in 2024. He may stay with uh, AEW forever, but he would be an idiot not to at least listen to an offer reports are WWE is interested. So for the next two years, we're going to get this MJF is going to lean heavy into this fact that he is the best person on the planet and he could go anywhere that he wants. Um, so him saying, if I don't, if I'm not feeling appreciated tonight, I'll go main event a WrestleMania like they, like you never did. You say you're Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper was good enough to main event WrestleMania. And if I'm not appreciated, I'll go main event of WrestleMania. I thought that was good. And then CM Punk came back with just the damn haymaker. I'll let you repeat it because you had it down perfect. If you think the grass is greener over there, Go main event night four of a buy one, get one free extravaganza and get released quicker than you last in the sack. Oh, man. Like, I was just a clap back, clap back by CM Punk. Wow. I I love this promo. I, I, I don't know if I loved it more than their first promo exchange, which is an all-timer in my opinion, but this was very close. I do agree with you. CM Punk does get this round. Uh, it was a 10-9 round, but that was a knockout. That was a knockout blow, that that that, that buy one, get one free. I was just like, oh, what a zinger. What a zinger. What a jab. He was ready. He was ready for that. So I, I really enjoyed Like I didn't like the CM Punk promo last week on dynamite and it was just like they, they it didn't feel like it had a point this one had a point had a message it was very effective and it reheated this this rivalry which is one of the hottest feuds in all of wrestling right now yeah this is i mean this is this is what we all wanted when yeah. when cm punk came back this is this was the first damn thing that we wanted and which is why i thought it was so damn brilliant that the first time these two interacted with each other, Punk didn't say a damn word. It was genius. All they had to do was say, okay, we know, we heard you. You want to hear these two on the microphone? Well, boom, here's Punk and it's coming. And it is, for the most part, delivered perfectly. I agree with you about last week. We're agreeing way too damn much. God darn it. Four episodes in. I want to fight, damn it. Um, but there are people out there on the internet who hate things who hate good things for whatever reason. And I saw people on Twitter saying, I wish AEW would stop taking shots at WWE. Uh, man, yeah, they're better. They should be better than that. Just kind of move on. Just that. So I'll ask you the question there, SP3. Does AEW take too many shots at WWE? Um, yes. Yes, they, they, they do. They do. But at the end of the day, 
I don't care. I live. <laughs> I am. Th- I am 33 years old, ladies and gentlemen. When I was really most invested into professional wrestling, I used to have to watch Billionaire Ted segments on on USA Network making fun of TNT Network. I used to have to deal with Eric Bischoff spoiling Monday Night Raw on commentary. Like, this is not that big of a deal. It's funny. It's fun. fun. It's fun. People take this whole thing way too seriously. The people that say AEW take too many shots at WWE are quiet as a church mouse when Triple H calls them a pissant company. They're quiet as a church mouse when Sami Zayn mentions AEW on a Monday Night Raw. And the same people that make a big deal out of those things are quiet as a church mouse when when Eddie Kingston says that AEW is the only professional wrestling company. When MJF makes race references to the bidding war of 2024. When CM Punk calls MJF a a, 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 a dollar value uh, Miz. Like all of these things are not as big of a deal as people make them. But at the end of the day, you we all are just doing what AEW and WWE want us to do by taking shots at each other. And that's talking about it way longer than they put any thought into these shots. I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say, no, they don't take too many shots with AEW. It's all about who takes them. And a guy like CM Punk. Yeah, of course, he's going to. That's his whole damn kid. That's who he is. He was taking shots at WWE when he worked for them. Yes. This is, this is who he is. My God. I know there's low hang. There's a lot of low hanging fruit when it comes to WWE these days, but if it's good and it's entertaining, I don't give a crap. I just don't. I loved every second of this tonight and I'll take it one step further. Not only do I think that AEW does not take uh, too many shots at WWE. I wish WWE started taking shots at AEW. I, I really do. do. I, I really do, do. Have some fun with it. No, because, I, I, AEW, I, I, because I what AEW does, what AEW does is they they focus on the history of wrestling. Period. Yeah. They don't just bring up WWE willy nilly. They talk about WCW. They talk about NWA. They talk about Ring of Honor. They bring up the entire industry. It's not just WWE that gets mentioned on their programming. Who cares? If it's fun and if it's good, I'm gonna enjoy it no matter what they're talking about. Tonight, whatever that was between Chris Jericho and 2.0, that sucked. That was the AEW equivalent of happy talk. Okay. Why that would they crap. follow? Why would they follow that with the after the CM Punk MJF? Like they just gave us promo gold, and then we had Chris, we had Chris Jericho and 2.0 trying to get a reaction. I would have somebody workout. on Friday Night Smack Talk talking about Chris Jericho's bad die job. I would do it on Friday Night SmackDown immediately because it's wrestling and it's supposed to be fun. Damn it. Damn. I would I would I would be telling people go to Peacock Network if you want to see former WWE champions who who are still cutting 2001 promos on other shows. If you want to see them do it better, check out Peacock Network for their work in 2001. Some some shots like that I wouldn't mind where where they're still plugging what they're doing at the same time. Go back and watch go back when Chris Jericho's natural hair color was still there. I love it. 
But I, that's what I say. I think the AEW does take too many shots at, a, at WWE. I do agree. It's more effective depending on who does it. But yeah. I also think that WWE doesn't take enough shots at, it, yes. at AEW. Yes. So if, 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 like if, if AEW could do just a little less and WWE could do a little more, that would be the, the ratio that I want to be at. Yeah, I would love to see. I'd love to see Becky Lynch take some shots at some of the women's division over there. I would love to see some kind of back when uh, Bailey and Dr. Britt Baker were both doing their separate role model gimmicks. Mm-hmm. Don't just take shots at each other on Twitter. Do it on screen. Why not? Why the, why, not? why the hell not? Damn it. To those people out there who think that they take too many shots and it's a bad thing. Get over yourselves. It's wrestling. Enjoy it. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it sucks. You can fast forward through it. You know, if you're not watching in real time. I wish I could have fast forwarded through Jericho and 2.0. He did, he did pop me when he called 2.0 Terrence and Phillip, though. <laughs> that, that, was, it, that was the peak. That was, yeah, that was, that was the best line that was of, the the peak. Whole, of the whole promo exchange. That and him saying that he lost to Booker T on Thunder back in 1990 whatever the hell it was i thought that was and nice it's thing. like it's like it's like man you tease something that it would have been the perfect thing to follow up mjf and punk with if you're gonna have a chris jericho promo eddie kingston's right there to interrupt him like come on that's the only thing that can follow up a, a mjf punk promo is eddie kingston oh god well we're gonna follow up this show this weekend we're back this weekend ladies and gentlemen we uh we got friday night smackdown we got AEW Rampage on Friday night. So we'll be back Saturday morning to break that all down. And then we got Battle of the Belts. This is a lot of wrestling in one week. It's almost like we planned it to launch this show this week. Man, whoever thought of that is a real damn genius. For SP3, follow this man on the Twitter machine at TrueHeelSP3. Follow me at Rick Uccino. And again, YouTube channel is almost set up. Go there, subscribe. We got some cool, cool shit coming down the pike. Appreciate you guys sticking with us for an hour. We really do try to keep these to like 30 minutes to 45. But when we get breaking news like William Regal getting let go, we're going to spend 15 minutes bitching about it. It's just, it's par for the course. It's, it's to be expected. It's understandable. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. We won't spend as much time talking about NXT 2.0. Their show is not going to be as good as it was this week next week so we'll we'll stick to 30 then absolutely everybody have a fantastic rest of your thursday and friday and we'll talk to you on saturday here on the believe pro wrestling podcast network thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.